So as Travis said at the beginning, this week begins the most important week of the year for Christians. Our church will have many services this week. We call on you to commit lots of your time to the church this week. We do. Um, for me, the first time that I encountered a Holy Week that was this intentional and this set aside was just a little over six years ago, and it was unusual. It is a lot of time if you're not used to this. I, I get it. But the goal is that this story of the last week of Jesus's life, the moments of his death and resurrection, that this story would shape our lives more than any other story in our lives. And for that to happen, we have to give time to this story. We have to put ourselves within this story. Now, that first time that I encountered a Holy Week that, that, that was this intentional, I was struck by a story that occurs just before Jesus enters Jerusalem in Mark's gospel. So what I'd like to do this morning is to begin by reading you the story from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Listen to this, this story. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many scolded him to get him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up. He is calling you. He threw off his cloak, jumped up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied, Rabbi, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he regained his sight, and he followed him on the way. Now, the last few words of Bartimaeus' story, this blind Bartimaeus, are that he recovered his sight, and he followed Jesus on the way. Now, in its early days, this is what Christianity was called, the way. And in the story of Bartimaeus, we don't, even, we don't only get his name, we also get his father's name. Now, several years ago, there was a guy named Richard Bauckham who wrote a book that was only focused on the names of people in the gospel stories. Doesn't that sound like a thriller? A book on names. Here's what he learned by looking into these names, that many of them, especially the ones where they mentioned family names, we can go back and find evidence of the families. These were real people. And when names and details like these are used, it meant that they probably became well-known people within the church. So think about this. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar that everyone was telling to hush, he is probably the very last person that Jesus healed before he was crucified. He follows Jesus to the end. Remember, he follows him on the way, which means 
He not only followed Jesus to his crucifixion, but he became a part of the way. He becomes a part of the community of faith. And his testimony becomes so well known and so important that it becomes included in the gospel stories. It's staggering to think about the timing of what happens to Bartimaeus. He receives his sight just in time to see the final climactic week of Jesus's life. Now, here's the way I'd like to frame this for you. Here's what I think Mark is doing. This, he's a brilliant author, Mark is, as he's telling the story of Jesus. In the most obvious way Mark can, he, without shouting at us, he's saying this, you better open your eyes. If you do not see this, all that Jesus does and what it means for you, it's because you are blind. It's because your eyes are closed. You're not watching closely enough. Your job and my job during Holy Week is to become like Bartimaeus. To watch Jesus as if we are seeing for perhaps the first time at least the first time, time in a long while. To follow Jesus on the way, keeping our eyes peeled to his every move. I would encourage you, even if you don't know if you believe in Jesus, would you at least watch him and see what happens? What would Bartimaeus have seen as he watched Jesus? What should we see? When we read um, of Jesus's entry uh, into Jerusalem, the first event that Bartimaeus would have been able to witness after being able to see again, there are two notable things I think Bartimaeus would have seen. And the first one is that Jesus, this man who just healed him, is trustworthy. It's really simple, but it's clearly displayed in this story that Jesus is trustworthy. So most of the 11 verses in this story of Jesus's triumphal entry are taken up with describing Jesus tell two of his disciples to do something really weird. On the surface, it sounds like he tells them to go steal a donkey. It does. He even tells them what to do if people ask questions about why they're taking the donkey. <laughs> and they carry out his odd requests. They respond to the questioners the exact way that he tells them to respond. And everything does work out. Are these details that big of a deal? They are a big deal. Because this is what life is going to be like being a Christian. This is what it's going to be like being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus tells you to do things that on the surface just seem weird sometimes. You don't always know why or how. You ask him for details and sometimes he gives them and other times he doesn't. But if you do them, somehow in some way, it does work out. Let me draw this out a little more. So in verse two of this story, Jesus sends the two disciples on this errand. He says, go into the village in front of you and find this colt tied. 
And this first little word of Jesus's command is go. And that little word is at the very beginning of all of God's greatest commands to people who are going to follow him. To Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. To Moses, now go, Moses, and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I'm going to skip ahead. To the frightful women at the tomb on Easter morning, the angels say, go, tell the others, don't be afraid. And then Jesus, of course, tells all of the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Following, to Je following Jesus, becoming his disciple, becomes really a series of comings and goings. We come to him. We bring everything that we are, the good and bad about who we are. And he sends us back out into places of great discomfort. Whether these are physical places, work or school, or spiritual places, places of challenge and growth in our own souls, we are not meant to get stuck in ways of living that are mainly about our safety and our comfort. Jesus is always saying, come to me and then go. We're meant to live in a relationship with the God who promises to provide for us as we go. In faith in him. In relationship with him. So going to get this donkey, it was a small task compared to what the disciples would be asked to do in the future. To go to the far reaches of the world, to courageously follow Christ, announcing his name in the face of all kinds of resistance. Going to get the donkey was a little bit like training wheels. They were going to have to learn to ride the bike, to go. But whoever is faithful in little things, Jesus says, I'm going to entrust with much. So yeah, you've got to learn by going to get the donkey first. And then I've got more for you to do. We learn in the little things in life to trust Jesus and to follow him. So our everyday lives with Christ, they mean a lot in our relationship with him and what he's called us to do in the world. So Bartimaeus, watching Christ for the first time, what would he see? He would see that Jesus is trustworthy, especially in little things to start with. And we can know this in our lives too. If you seek to live closely in relationship with Jesus, he's going to tell you to go, to go further in relationship with him. And this is what he does for us during Holy Week. He calls us to go further on this path of his death and resurrection. And he's going to assure us that we can trust him to be with us, to help us on this path, and to give us life on this path. So this is something I think Bartimaeus would have begun to notice as he reflected on that day. Jesus is trustworthy. And he's not just trustworthy in a spiritual way in that he will get me to heaven when I die, though he is trustworthy for that. 
but he's trustworthy for everything, for my whole life. Now, a second thing that Bartimaeus would have noticed is that Jesus wields power differently than the world. So Bartimaeus is healed just in time to witness a royal event. Imagine if you're a blind person and you're a citizen of the UK and you're healed just in time to see a royal wedding or something like that. That would be amazing there, right? But Bartimaeus in his time and in his place is healed just in time to see the enthronement of a king. What happens in this story would have been easily recognized as an enthronement ceremony. So Mark has even done this really cool thing where he has slowed down his storytelling. And a lot like the way a movie director will put a scene in slow motion so that we key in and pay attention to it. If you read this story carefully, Mark has done that same thing in writing it. He knows we're not going to be familiar with all the cultural details, so he challenges us, pay close attention. To pay close attention, for instance, to the geography. So Bartimaeus knew from the prophet Zechariah that there would be a day that the Lord would stand on the Mount of Olives. This is the mountain that looked out over Jerusalem, much the way the, the Macedonian looks out over us. Zechariah said that the Lord would stand on this mountain and he would free his people from oppression. So here's what Zechariah said. The Lord will be king over all the earth. And on that day, the Lord will be one and his name will be one. So Jesus rides over the Mount of Olives on a donkey and he is announcing his kingship. He is declaring that he is the rightful king and that those who follow him are the ones who are truly free in the world. Now pay attention to, again, to that tied up cult. Here's an easy Bible reading tip. When things are repeated, ask why. Why? It wouldn't be a big deal, but we're told five times that this cult is either tied or untied. And it's not because the disciples are bad listeners. It's because we are. We need to notice this. It just so happens that in Genesis, when the patriarch Jacob blesses his children, he speaks of a king who will come from the tribe of his son Judah, and his donkey will be, anyone know? Tied. I don't know if anyone said that, but it's tied. We should bring back that kind of father's blessing children here at Church of the Lamb. Dan, tell Aubrey his donkey will be tied. As odd as it may seem, Mark is helping us piece together the, the full weight of this event. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. And in the long story of God's promises to his people, Jesus is in the place of king and redeemer. That's why that donkey is tied. But Jesus is still claiming power in such a different way than we're used to in the world. He's riding into town on a donkey to claim a throne that's currently occupied by Caesar in Rome. It's like picking a fight that can only end in one way. And you know what that way is. 
And while there are many people who cheer Jesus as he rides in, it's not as if Jesus has an armed entourage to help him. What is Jesus doing and why does he do it this way? You know, in the background of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and being celebrated, there are others who are beginning to scheme against him. So earlier we read from Psalm 31, and Psalm 31 depicts the real nature of Jesus' situation. I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. So Jesus humbly and calmly rides into Jerusalem while he knows in the background that there's a price on his head. Jesus's triumphal entry is one of those moments where you face the question, as C.S. Lewis put it, of whether Jesus was actually God or a crazy person. The modern option that he was a good teacher just does not suffice for this situation. It won't stand. He is claiming to be king, but in a world so accustomed to the tug-of-war competitions for power, the back and forth, Jesus baffles us. Because instead of muscling his way, he rides in humbly and calmly to claim what's rightfully his. And this is what is so unique about Jesus. No matter how powerful the forces, his throne cannot be taken from him. This is why Jesus can wield power differently, because he never has to fear losing. His power cannot be taken from him. Now, I want you to imagine, as we draw to a close, I want you to imagine what this would have meant for blind Bartimaeus. A man who has just been given the gift of sight by the same one who rides into Jerusalem claiming to be king. Perhaps, if not in this very moment, maybe after a time of reflecting on this, maybe Bartimaeus would have thought, if he can live this way, if he can live in this kind of humble confidence, maybe I can too. If he's so powerful as to heal me and he can't have his power taken away from him, maybe he can give me something that can't be taken away. This is the remarkable gift we receive in following Jesus in his passion, in his death, and in his resurrection. Our own lives, our confidence, and our worth in Christ, none of these things can be touched or taken away from us. Because they're given to us by him. So we too are able to wield whatever power, small or big, that we might have very differently than the world. And even our weaknesses become an opportunity to serve God because we learn who we are in him. <laughs> so this is part, I think, of what the Apostle Paul means when he writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus wields power differently than the world 
because his power cannot be taken away from him. And through faith in him, we can be different too. We can live out of a power that cannot be taken away from us. So what does Bartimaeus see as he watches Jesus? He sees that Jesus is trustworthy. And he sees that Jesus wields power very differently from the world. So I want to ask you, will you watch Jesus this week like you're seeing for the first time in a long while? Will you set aside the time in worship and in prayer to do the most important thing you can do? Attend to Christ and his sufferings and in his death for your sins. And I think that partly what Mark does in this story is he also warns us. Will you keep your eyes closed to what Jesus has done for you? As he poured himself out in love to forgive you of your sins. Let's pray. Jesus, will you give us the courage to stop the things that we need to stop doing this week, to cease from the things that we need to cease from so that we can watch you and attend to you and in your, suf in your sufferings and in your sacrifice. Where we might feel powerless, would you guide us to what we have received and can receive in relationship with you? Would you strengthen us to serve out of whatever strength or weakness we might perceive in ourselves because of the grace that you give us and the love that you've shown us? Would you have mercy on us as you had mercy on blind Bartimaeus? And would you allow us to see you and all your trustworthiness and love? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.